Diamond Answer Man Show, Season 4, Episode 4. Yikes! I got jacked. My appraisal says so. Well, hello, everyone. My name is Jay Christopher Gertz, and this is the Diamond Answer Man Show, where our goal is to help each other learn more about the world of diamonds and feel confident about those purchases. That's right. They help us memorialize our special moments. You may reach me at DiamondAnswerMan.com, where right there on the right-hand side of the site, you'll see the little SpeakPipe app. It pops up and it says, Contact Me Now. You can use your cell phone, your Android phone, your computer, as long as you've got a microphone. It'll send that message on through. You may also call me at 803-792-1326. Leave me a message there. Also, any site practically that has some social button on it, you go to my site, you can contact me through Google+, Twitter, LinkedIn. Oh my goodness, I can't think of all the other things that I've got out there. But if you need to contact me or give me an idea of your opinion on the show, you may do it. Anyway, our show is going to start off. I'm going to talk a little bit about the news and then we're going to go into, yikes, I got jacked. You know, that sounds painful, right? I mean, that's where you lose money sometimes. But let's talk about news first and let's talk about why it's still a good time for you to buy. If you've, last, if you've listened to any of my shows over the last couple of years, there's been things going on in the industry where demand and pricing and wholesale prices have sort of struggled to meet each other. And if you're a jeweler, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And if you're a wholesaler, you know what I'm talking about. And if you're a manufacturer, that means a polisher. We're not talking about the miners now. You know exactly what I'm talking about. And it has to do with the idea of what something should cost. So we're talking about perception. Our industry doesn't do a good job about creating fascination anymore. De Beers is no longer a monopoly. They only control about 33% of the market. Jewelers now have to come up with some way to promote positively our industry, and they're not at all doing a good job. I see very few ads that inspire me, bring a smile to my face as those old De Beers ads did. You know, that's one of the things that as jewelers, jewelers sometimes, as I have been a jeweler, a retail jeweler my past life, we can be lazy at times. And we expect other people to you know, produce our marketing and our literature and those kinds of things, and that's okay. However, if we are going to become brands on our own, we must control our own destiny. And if you're a jeweler out there and you're waiting for somebody to do something for you and you're struggling about your own brand, you have to think inside, not out. And so let's talk about why, if you're a consumer listening to this show, it's a good time to buy and why some of the manufacturers are struggling right now. So let's talk about the manufacturers first. You know, there's a, 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 a level, right? If we look at a ladder and it's got several rungs on it, you have miners, which would start off at that bottom rung, right? And then it goes up to the next person, which generally would be our polisher. And then it goes up from our polisher where our polisher may have another department or another group that it's involved with in its, in its consortium, where they have wholesale departments, or that polisher sells directly to an independent wholesaler. From those wholesalers, they then sell to your retail stores. So, I mean, there's, there's several levels in between. 
Well, right now, the level at which those miners are charging for their rough and selling to those polishers, we'll call those diamond cutters, but that's a polisher, and then to the jeweler, the margins of that wholesale rough, that's before it's made into what we see and enjoy in a ring, it's too much money compared to what you and I and jewelers are willing to pay for it. So what's happening is these polishers are taking out loans so they can keep buying the rough. The problem is is they're not selling the rough and making enough margin to pay their people, their bills, their machinery, and stay profitable, and they're going out of business. So they're, they're using credit to build their business, which is smart use of credit, right? I mean, if you can borrow some money and make a lot of money when you do it, then that's a good thing. You don't want to borrow credit on some things that you you know would consume like food or, or or any other consumable paper towels is a good idea you know we're not talking about diamonds now but you'd never use it on something you couldn't turn into more cash so they're thinking smartly about using this credit to grow their business the problem is is when you use credit at some point in time that note comes due and if you're not making that money it's going to come back and bite you and that's exactly what's happening to many polishers in the country of India. We've heard over the last few weeks that about 300,000 polishers have lost their jobs in both India and China, and that is a little unnerving. We've heard about India and how India wants to slow down the introduction of rough into the country to help stimulate the market uh, to buy the existing rough that they have to bring up you know the 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 the, the transactions going on to help help uh, help the monies to come through and uh, we've also heard about de beers and de beers as i said earlier it only controls about 33% of the market there's another 67% controlled by other companies around the world and de beers has lowered its rough cost to some of these indian polishers to hope that of course they don't stem the the in, you know introduction of wholesale excuse me rough diamonds to that market so i mean we got lots of things going on but here's the problem the problem comes back to our retail jewelers right and you you already know i believe firmly there's great stores to buy from and there's you should be confident about buying from your local jeweler and your local jeweler should be able to give you a good value right the problem is is with our jewelry industry here in the United States is that they've failed at creating and and reviving, I guess it would be the great word for it, the fascination with our industry, which is a wonderful, wonderful history, and they've been relying upon De Beers, which did it in last decades, drove our industry. We know we know engagement rings are here to stay. And 80% of most engagements here in the United States are diamond engagements. The problem is, is that there's no other jewelry. I say no. That was an extreme statement. The percentage at which other jewelry transactions are occurring that are diamond related are going down. So what's happening is, is if you look at the trends, we're not selling as much diamond jewelry during the during the holiday season, which would be that November through December time frame. But we're selling it consistently throughout the latter part of the year. We have increased in sales year after year as uh, projections have been revised. But something's going on, and I think that it comes back to uh, the jewelry retailers whether it's an independent or whether it's a large chain, not 
really engaging well. I mean, when you think about the iPhone as an example, and you think about Apple, right? And I don't have one, but I'm using an iPad for the sound as it comes through my sound system. So Apple, you, you think about your average person, which is you know, hopefully you're listening to this show, um, but you think about your friends who own iPhones and how many of them have stood in line to buy an iPhone, right? How many people stand in line, and this is not my comment, but how many people stand in line to go into a jewelry store? Not that many. Recently, I've been to quite a few stores here on the West Coast, and I've been, I couldn't, I'm not going to give you a number, but I've probably been to, in the peninsula itself, at least 35 or 40 stores up and down the peninsula. Some of them I've been invited to, other ones I've just visited, other ones I've actually spent a day or more in, and on very few occasions have I seen people standing at the door. There's one store in my mind that sticks out, and I was working in that store, and I was helping them in the store, and over about two days, each morning, there was between one and three people standing at that door, and I'll tell you what it comes down to. It comes down to the people working in your store. It can't be any longer this driving fascination with our trade, which De Beers used to do, You can't rely, if you're a jeweler on this, you have to do this yourself. And you have to create an environment where your customers come to you and are interested in what you're doing. I'm not going to go too far on that, but the issues that are going on right now are related to both our jewelry stores, that's the individual selling jewelry, and our manufacturers, those are the polishers that are polishing the diamonds, they're not doing a great job either. Uh, you, you, if you listen to the last show, we talked about brand and how brand is very important. I talked about just Apple just a second ago and how, how its brand is a very strong brand. There are other brands out there that are strong, but we're not driving our own market. And so that's creating, here's, here's the catch, right? So it's good for you if you're thinking about buying right now. We've created a, 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 a sort of little bubble that's been going on for a few years where prices on the retail end have gone down. That means the the margin at which a jeweler can charge and make a profit on his or her stone has been compressed. So they have to sell more to make as much as they had to sell, you know, 30 years ago. The margins on diamonds are so small and so tight that the jewelers are pushing back on their polishers and the polishers have no room to move. Here's what's going to happen. Prices will be going up, and I predict that they will be going up sometime near the first of the year. So if you're thinking about buying, you need to be aware that this is currently going on. What you need to be aware of is that prices have just dropped a small amount to help this bubble in the market. So if you're looking at buying one carat stones and you're looking for moderate color, that's G to H color, SI stones, They've all dropped, right? You've got anything G and under in SI, and that's dropped just a little bit. If you want K to M, VS, SI2, they've dropped there too. If you're looking at D, F, VVS, EF, IF, all those prices have dropped. Round stones and carat to two carat sizes. If you're looking for SI and you're looking for higher colors, there's margins that have been reduced to help stimulate the industry and hopefully 
sell through this existing inventory. So there's three carrots, there's two carrots, DIF, VVS, EIF, all reported by Rappaport. All the prices have come down. And so this is something you need to think about if you're thinking about a diamond right now and you want a value stone. What I mean by that is that it's it will have eye visible inclusions under 10 power magnification fairly easily, but you want something wider. That's G, right? G or H. We're not talking about D, E, or F stones, but G or H color stones. These prices have been reduced. So this means you can go get deals right now before this coming storm that's going to occur. There's going to be an issue, or not an issue, but there is going to be a time coming very soon when demand is not able to meet what the uh, demand and the production are. So what I mean by that, and I'll go back in a second, production will not meet demand. There's been no major fines in the last 20 years. Miners are doing what they can to keep the mines going. It's predicted that some of these mines are on the last 10, 20 years of their production. And sometime around 2024, as reported by both Bain and McKinsey, the demand will be so much higher than production that the price is just going to skyrocket. And I think it's going to happen sooner rather than later because of what's going on in the industry. So if you're thinking about buying right now, now would be a time to go and talk with your jeweler. So this is going to be a sharp increase in price. I think it's going to occur very soon. Now, if you've got any questions about this, you may contact me at diamondanswerman.com. You may call me, 803-792-1326. There on the right-hand side of the side, I've got the speak pipe, and you can send me a message through there. You may send me a tweet on Twitter if you like. That's D-A-M-J-C-G-U-R-I-T-Z. Uh, Google Plus, I'm, I'm there. On uh, Facebook, I'm there. On LinkedIn, I'm there. So if you'd like to have any of my uh, uh, advice on buying a stone, I will happily do that for you. If you've got a comment on anything that I've just said, please feel free to email me, contact me. Um, I'd like to hear your opinion. It may vary quite a bit from what I've just said, but I think the market is going to change. I think it all happens to, has to do with the jewelers right now. It has less to do with the beers. It has to do with the jewelers. It has to do with them helping you understand brands and polish and performance and what makes a diamond beautiful as compared to generics and all those kinds of things that get involved with it. But it comes back to the jeweler. Right now, of course, go out and get your deals. You can have them. So the next topic I'm going to talk about is, yikes, I got jacked. My appraisal says so. Or I should say, my appraiser says so. Because that's really what it comes down to. We don't think about the paper independently. We think about our appraiser, right? Okay, so I've been in California a couple of months, and I'm a native here, and I've worked in the jewelry trade in just about every capacity possible. So it gives me an awareness of the many jewelers here on the West Coast, because at one time I've either worked for them, or I've sold to them, or at least bumped into them in one manner or another, at least in the northern portion of, of the state of California. So I know pretty much everyone around here. And it's led me to, as you just heard, staying and visiting with some of these stores a day or longer, you know, the lucky guy that I am. And uh, having been an appraiser in my past life has helped give me a certain level of awareness to valuation. And that awareness does not come with a gemological diploma and training. 
Appraising is an art unto itself. And while you're appraising, you strive for being unbiased. But you know, that's the issue. Biasness always creeps in. And this is why many associations, I shouldn't say associations, organizations like insurance companies suggest using an independent appraiser. You know, the industry, the the appraising world is fractured, just like the jewelry world. There's no major player. And for most the most part, I'm not aware of any state that requires any certification. There's no bar for being an appraiser. But there's independent third-party organizations that do certify, and some are better than others. And I talked about those, and maybe I'll put a link to that show on, on, on the notes here. But I talked about choosing an appraiser and maybe going to school to becoming an appraiser. You know, so the industry is fractured. You Most people are grandfathered in, and this is probably why some of this problem arises. You'll have varying opinions because you have varying levels of understanding of value. And I'm going to put it plainly like this. An appraiser should never act in your best interest. Now, that may sound weird to you. The only time an appraiser should act in your interest is when you're paying them to become a witness in a case where there's a legal situation, but you're paying them for their testimony or their advice, their uh, uh, description or their documentation, why and it's defensible. So the, the, uh, an appraiser should not act in the best interest of the jeweler or the seller, and they should not act in the best interest of the consumer, however you're paying them. Right, you know, so you're paying them, and you feel like they should be on your side. They shouldn't have any statements in there, right, on the appraisal um, that shouldn't be factual. Everything should be uh, 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 factual as far as the valuation. It should be defensible, right, um, in the valuation. You know, we're human beings, and I like you. I don't like dealing with a ton. Automatons, right? So biasness can creep in, right? We don't want to deal with somebody who's just a robot who looks at our information and gives it to us. You know, so our feelings can get involved, and, and, and this is great, but it only when it affects value in a positive way, not higher, not lower. We're talking about defendable statements of value. And you shouldn't change the value of a piece of jewelry just because you want to make sure you're protecting your client. You know, a value uh, should come from examination of markets and comparisons of markets and like kind markets and most common markets and all those kinds of things. And it should be based upon the information that you're comparing against the item itself, right? So what I've discerned based upon my understanding of what this ring is, how much it should take to replace this item in its most common like-kind market, right? So here's the situation I'm dealing with, or not that I'm dealing with, but one of the jewelry stores that I was visiting with. So this is where the yikes, I got jacked. My appraiser says so, right? So here's my situation. I've been spending time with a jeweler recently, 
And uh, she's a member of the American Gem Society. And the American Gem Society is the parent of the American Gem Society Laboratory, right? The AGSL. I've spoken about the AGSL and, and their creation and use of the ASET for performance grading. That's the multicolored, both handheld and desktop device. It has the, the different colors, the blues, the reds, the greens, um, and the black or white, depending upon its light leakage or not. You know, I've, ta- I've talked about that. I'll put a link there. And, you know, so this jeweler is a member of the American Gem Society. So to be a member, you have to pass after school, right? So you have GIA. GIA gives the diplomas. GIA does not certify anyone, right? We talked about that the last show. Anybody who says GIA certified me is not quite telling the truth. You can get a diploma from GIA, but you don't get certified by GIA. So the American Gem Society certifies jewelers by knowledge and by what their agreement is to ethically, right? So they agree to deal ethically with you, the consumer. So this jeweler is a member of the American Gem Society, and this jeweler's been in business for 30 years. So she's been a wholesaler. She's done trade work. She's at a trade shop. She's now got a full-blown guild store, and her knowledge is unmatched. I mean, she is... She is, uh, uh, it's, it's unmatchable knowledge. So anybody who's just got a, you know, a GIA uh, diploma or just plain old jewelry or diamond salesperson, you know, they, they, they can't hold a candle to what she understands. But she's also skillful at customer engagement. And I heard this in action. A client called about an item that she was going to pick up that was left for an appraisal. She inquired about the value on the appraisal. And the appraiser over the phone verbally described the value assigned on the document. At this point, as I'm listening, you know, and I'm I'm, I'm eavesdropping, right? I almost look away because I'm turning my ear. You can't see me, but I wanted to turn my ear, you know, like I was listening to somebody secretly. But I I can hear it. You know, they're not trying to be quiet. But at this point, the appraiser begins explaining the reason for the valuation and through the conversation, I become aware that the number that was assigned for the replacement, that's the insurance replacement, on this item was much lower than the client expected. So her response was in the negative, like she was taken somehow, not, not the jeweler who did the appraisal, but the consumer on the other end of the phone thought she was taken advantage of by her jeweler. And I'm going to come full circle around that because the case wasn't true. So the the lady that is talking to her on the phone, the, the woman, she's trying to explain how she assigns a value. You heard me say just a few moments ago that you look at what you have, so you, dis- you, you, you discover your colors and your clarity, right? You have a process for that. You know what the metal is. You know how it's made, most likely. You know if it's a designer or if it's a generic ring. You have all of this information, and you look at that, and you you figure out whether or not it's going to make a difference if it's branded or not, right? Because a brand can can change the price. You figure out whether or not that it's it's cast. Can I order this generically out of a catalog? And you figure out the most common market where this item is sold, and you come up with your valuation. So this young lady does this, all this work, and comes up with a number. The client on the other end of the phone is concerned. 
right? She's actually a little loud on the phone. I can hear her coming through the phone. She's expecting this to appraise for twice what she purchased it for. So she thinks that she bought it wholesale, right? That's if if jewelers were today still making double what they had bought something for, which just isn't the case. You know, we look at diamond margins, and we're lucky if diamond margins run anywhere from three to five percent on larger stones, on smaller stones, maybe as much as forty or fifty percent on 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 really small stones. We're talking about small margins, maybe mountings and gold, and there's there's different margins in there. But this young lady's perception of what something should be appraised for was so out of whack, and the reason is back. All the way to the beginning of our conversation when we started this show is jewelers. And jewelers are still causing a small problem because when they're selling to an individual, they should never say that I'm selling to you at wholesale. And they shouldn't say to you, you're my buddy, I'm going to give you this special price that I'm not going to give to anyone else. So there's two things going on. Now the appraiser is stuck in between trying to defend her position on valuation, which is accurate. And the, and the perception of the, uh, the client who wants to have an appraisal that says it's worth twice what she paid for it. So this, this jeweler then goes into explaining how the method and mode she, she comes up with the valuation. And then she discloses, not necessarily discloses, but she tells about the different markets that, that this ring is sold in, what the values are based upon the research for these kinds of rings. And then she goes into defending the jeweler who sold it, which may or not may not be a good thing, but she doesn't want to upset an apple cart, right? Because the jeweler didn't necessarily give her a bad value, the jeweler sold it at what the market value was, which is the same market value that anybody else would sell at. But the jeweler who sold it said that they sold it at half the price. Therefore, it should appraise for twice the value, which unfortunately causes the consumer great concern. If anybody ever tells you that their appraisal is twice the value at what you purchased it for, you should inspect what you expect based upon their conversation. You should find out if it's true. Here's the issue. You're going to be paying twice the premium to insure this, and the insurance company, when they go to replace it, is only going to replace it at what its actual value is. You can't go buy a car for $40,000 and have your insurance company then insure it for $80,000. They're going to insure that for the accurate market value of that car. So if it's a couple years old, you're not going to insure it at a, at a $40,000 uh, uh, replacement price if the, the, if the car is, is 20 years old. It doesn't matter what the current model is. So this same ring, if its current market value is, let's say, $10,000, and I tell you it's $20,000, the insurance company is going to do something interesting. They're going to allow you to pay based upon the $20,000, that's the price per 100 whatever they're going to charge, dollar, dollar $1.50, $0.75, $2, $3, depending on where you live, per $100, right? Um 
for this ring, and then you're going to end up paying the premium for it. And then when you have the replacement done, if there's a loss or there's a theft, they're going to replace it based upon the current market value. So you have an issue going on, and there's two things that are happening. First, the jeweler wasn't honest with you that sold the ring, but they didn't give you a bad price. They actually sold it to you for what it was worth, but your perception is ruined. We ruin our understanding about the industry. We ruin our perception about the industry, and we make things we make people think that things cost a lot more or we make a lot more money on them or just because they're our friend, you know, we give them a special price. But that's not always true. So we ruin our perception of the industry when things like this happen. So this appraiser is giving this young lady an understanding that her engagement ring is worth what she paid for it, but it's not worth twice as much. And unfortunately, she's defensive in this situation But the jeweler did a good job at explaining it. So you don't want to deal with anybody who is not correctly, correct isn't the right word for it, but is not ethically uh, uh, disclosing things, right? You want an air of transparency. You want your jeweler to be confident about what they're giving you. There can be a time when you can buy something that could be, right, replaced it twice the price. So I'll give you one example. I buy a designer line. I'm a jeweler. I decide not to carry the designer line anymore. I liquidate the designer line, right? So let's say I carry Bob the designer. Bob's the the designer's ring are $2,000 rings. Well, I didn't do so good with Bob the designer, but everybody else does. And Bob the designer charges a lot for his designs because it's Bob the designer. So I say, the heck with Bob the designer. I'm not going to carry Bob anymore. So I'm going to let this stuff go below my cost. And when you come in the store and buy it, I sell it to you. What should I appraise it for? Should I appraise it for, if I'm a jeweler, put a valuation on it? Should I appraise it for... What I sold it for, or what would you rather have me, uh, or if I'm an independent appraiser, the independent appraiser can't use that number as far as their appraisal value. The, the appraiser would have to use the value of the most common market, right? Like, kind, common market. If it's brand, it's got to be brand for brand. And you'd want that to happen because if you had a loss on Bob's ring, and you had to go back to market to get Bob's ring. You could only go to specific sources to buy Bob's ring. That would be a time when the appraisal could reflect a higher value. Other times could be issues with metal and markets and those kinds of things. Those are very rare and they can occur. But in almost all cases, you shouldn't be concerned about your appraiser, especially if they have correct training, right? Remember, we're grandfathered in in most of our states, so you can almost go to any jewelry store and they'll do appraisals. That's not always what you want to do. You want to find a good, ethical, certified, or at least a a jeweler who has a reputation for doing good appraisals, being able to stand up for it, being defendable as far as your method and mode for valuations, but just a cheap... No description, known information, 
appraisal is not good for your insurance company and it's not good for you. But don't ever expect, don't ever expect, and I suggest that you turn tail and run if you ever deal with a store that says, I'm selling this to you for 10000 It's worth 20000 because you're my buddy. Hey, hey, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. It just doesn't happen. We're talking about making sure that we buy ethically, we sell ethically, you as a consumer buy ethically. Should you ask for a better price? Absolutely. Should you say, can I get a better price if I pay by cash? Absolutely. Should you say, can I get a better price if I pay by check? Right? Absolutely. Right? There's nothing wrong with that. You should always negotiate your better price. It'll happen sometimes. Sometimes it won't. But you can always ask for it. If you're a consumer, you most certainly can go to the internet. I'm on the internet. I want you to come to my site, right? There's lots of sites to go to to get information. You should inform yourself. We want to make sure that we inform each other so we can make sure that we make good, confident decisions about our purchases, things we never have to apologize for. We, our goal is to memorialize special moments and feel good about it. And then the great thing that happens is we should tell people about that store that we bought from. We should let them know they will take care of you, right? Because those people will in turn, hopefully, jewelers, their consumers too, will turn around and buy the products that your company produces, right? I mean, this, this is the good thing about it, that, that we should all work together. If they're a store that's starting off unethical, talking about you know, these wholesale liquidation valuations and, or resale pri- retail prices, you heard me say it before. If you're paying tax, you're paying retail. If they say they give it to you at half, most likely they're full of malarkey. And, and I want you to call them on it. But what price do you normally sell this for? If they say they sell it for double, I want you to run because that really does not happen. And I want you to think twice about it. You want to make sure that you have an understanding of your market. And if you have any questions about the market, you can call me. You can leave messages. I'd love to hear your opinion about the show. I want you to know, I, I want to know how I can help you better. You can call me at 803-792-1326. I want to hear about your appraisal stories. I want to hear about your great jeweler stories. I want to know about the good jewelers out there. They are there. And I want to hear about them. The other thing you want to do is make sure you use the affidavit of diamond buying agreement that's there on my website. Use that. Have your jeweler sign it. Make them stand behind that color and clarity and weight statement. Make sure they stand behind the fact that it was ethically mined. These are all super important. If you're a guy and you're giving a ring today, you want to smile big when you put it on her finger. I want you to always do the right thing in making sure you maximize memorializing that moment because that ring is going to be with you for a long time. If you're a client or you're a guy who's told your fiancé that, hey, I got this ring for half price... If you're the fiance and listening, uh, maybe your guy isn't so smart, right? I just said it. I mean, this is, this is, if you're listening, you know, come on, nobody's given any dollar bills away for 50 cents. It just doesn't happen. That's not wise business. Um, it's, it just, I couldn't underscore it more. It just doesn't happen. Don't be frustrated with your appraiser who's done a good job, boy, I was talking there too much, who's done a good job at doing the work, 
who wants to make sure they do the right thing and making sure they assign the correct valuation, they're all concerned about this. They want to make sure that they verify your stones against your reports. They want to make sure they do the right job in making sure they contact designers to get the valuation, at least in their markets. They want to do these things. But if their value is different, always ask, just like this young lady did. But if you have a problem with the price as compared to what your jeweler said as compared to what you bought bought it for right those two things if they're if if the price they said in the appraisal if the appraisal and your buying price is the same it's probably a good appraisal if the buying price and the appraisal price are different ask some questions because there may be reasons for it if the advertised price the ticketed price is higher than your appraisal and your appraisal and your buying price match, you're set. The appraiser did a good job. Don't ever worry about those kinds of things. Always ask. Everybody can ask a question. Everybody should expect information. They should do exactly with what this young lady did in her store, which is giving an understanding of the valuation for the market, the method and mode, and like kind and all those great things. It should happen. If they don't do that, then maybe you should take it elsewhere. Maybe you should get a refund. Maybe you shouldn't buy from that jeweler who described the purchase and the valuation in that way to begin with. Maybe you should have bought from somebody more ethical. Anyway, I hope you've liked this show. I I hope I haven't been too unkind, too curt, um, but I've been direct. and, And maybe blunt is a better word for it. I want you to know that my heart is for you in this purchase. I love this industry. Beyond anything else, I've always enjoyed the jewelry industry. I've lived and eaten and slept this industry for decades now. And again, there's not much that I haven't done and my family hasn't done. Everything is some in some way tied to the jewelry industry. And if you need help in any way, I love helping people. And you can call me, 803-792-1326. Find me on the website, which is diamondanswerman.com. Just go to diamondanswerman.com. You'll see my ugly picture pop up there on the right-hand side. You know, I'm so handsome with my bald head. Um, you'll see that picture there on that, on that right. You'll see my little bald symbol on the left where it's a diamond cut out with my face in there. If you didn't know what that was, some people think it's a half moon. But that's there on the site. You'll see all the different posts. I also have tips on buying you know, the beauty, purity, size advice, you know, before you're a guy, if you're a guy and you're buying, all those are there on the website. Again, call me if you've got any questions. And very importantly, if you're in iTunes, let me know if you like me, you know, hit that like button in there. I'd like to see, I get a lot of downloads. I see them in there all the time. You get that traffic on them. Um, Just give me a like and uh, hook, hook up with me on Facebook or LinkedIn. And again, I really enjoy just the communication. Let me know what you think about the show. And very importantly, I will look forward to speaking with you next time.